This is Zach Driscoll, and I'd like to welcome you to the Real Men Podcast. To find more Bible teaching and content like this, visit markdriscoll.org. And don't forget to set aside a good chunk of time, because my dad has a habit of preaching lengthy sermons. Well, thank you, men, for joining us. It's a historic night as we kick off Real Men. We've been meeting as a men's ministry that started very small, and by God's grace, it's growing. We've been praying for you. We love you. We're excited to have you. If you don't want to be here, you really need to be here. So welcome. We're glad to have all of you. And let me give you a little preview of where we're going uh, toward the future. Uh, each week, we'll be meeting on Wednesday night around 6.30. There is grilling in the game on in the back. If you just want to come connect, get to know some of the guys, we'll be here with the table leads and the pastors. And then uh, I'll give a little bit of a talk, and then you'll have time around tables for discussion and prayer. And what we're doing is uh, following the, uh, the sermon series. And so right now, we kicked off last Sunday, uh, the Old Testament book of Daniel. It's 12 chapters, so it'll be 12 sermons. If you wanna read ahead, it's real easy. Just read one chapter a week. You can read the whole book in about 75 minutes, or if you take about 10 minutes a day, you can read through Daniel about once a week. That would be my encouragement to you. If you don't have a copy of the Bible, we'd love to give you one. And, uh, and I promise you that you will learn a lot in the book of Daniel about how to be a man of God. Uh, as well, what we will be doing is starting tonight, we are live streaming. So we're live on Facebook, YouTube, uh, the ministry website, markdriscoll.org, thetrinitychurch.com. It'll also be a podcast feed on iTunes if you wanna include your friends. Uh, we wanna serve men and we want men to learn to become like the greatest man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're going to be giving away this content and we're also going to be sharing this format and we'll be sharing this format with pastors of other churches. And so just would give you a prayer item that we're inviting senior pastors of other churches to come in to visit us, get some time with Pastor Darian and myself, along with Pastor Brandon, uh, coach them up, come to our men's time, join us around the tables. We'll lay hands and pray over those pastors, send them back to their churches so that they can launch men's ministry in their communities. This is the greatest need in the church. 60% of church attenders are female, only 40% are male, 11 to 13 million more women than men in church. We say, praise God that all the ladies love Jesus, but we need the men to catch up. And our hope, prayer, and goal is to be part of that effort. So you can be a prayer. And I have good news to report that we've already got the first round of pastors flying in from around the country to meet you guys, to see what God is doing here on Wednesday night and to hopefully capture a vision to do the same thing back in their church. Lastly, and then I'll pray and we'll jump into Daniel. The reason that we do sermon-based small groups and that's what you'll be doing in life groups around tables is because we have architected this church to help you lead your family. For those of you guys who are single, you're in the right place at the right time, surrounded with some great men. If you're a guy who's got a young family and you're trying to figure out how to love and lead well, you're in the right spot. If you're an older guy that got it right, you can help those guys. If you're an older guy that got it wrong, you can really help those guys, okay? So we all got something to learn. But what we'll do, we'll study the book of the Bible, Daniel on Sunday. I'll do an overview and application for men. My wife, Grace, is leading the women's ministry and she'll have an application for women. If you have students in middle school or high school, they will be studying Daniel with us and giving an application. And the, and the problem in many, if not most churches is, 
The family doesn't worship together. There's a service for middle school kids, a service for high school kids. Uh, Mom goes to church, maybe dad watches the game. Men's ministry is talking about something than women's ministry. It's talking about something different than student ministry. Our hope, prayer, and goal, as soon as your kids are able, for those of you that are fathers, to attend church with you, to see dad, open the Bible, worship God, to help you study the Bible, to help you learn how to ask questions, listen, and pray, and then take all of those skills from this table back to your dining room table so that you can be the pastor of your own home. And that is the end zone that we are driving for, not just building up men, but building up men for the benefit of other men, for women and children. And that's the end zone for us, amen? How many of you wish you had a better dad? My hope, prayer, and aspiration is you would be that guy for your kids. So I love you, I'm gonna pray, and uh, we'll do an introduction and overview of Daniel. Father God, thank you on this historic night where we get to uh, launch, Real Men Ministries. And God, we acknowledge that apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, we don't know what a real man is. We don't know what a real man says. We don't know what a real man does. But God, we are gifted to know that Jesus is the perfect example of what a man should be and by the grace of the Holy Spirit can increasingly become like. God, I wanna honor each of these men who has joined us here. I wanna honor those who have joined us online. God, it is our prayer that we would open our Bibles to learn, open our lives to love so that lives and legacies are transformed. And so God, as we open the scriptures tonight, we also invite the person, the presence, the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that empowered Daniel, the same power that empowered Jesus to empower each of these men to follow in their example by your grace in Jesus' good name, amen. All right, let me give you an introduction and overview to Daniel. So Daniel, the storyline begins in 605 BC. So 2,600 years ago, the storyline is that God's people are living in the nation of Israel and they've become a little arrogant. They've become a little lazy. They've become a little backslidden. They've been disobeying, defying, disregarding God for 490 years. God then finally sends justice and he allows a pagan godless king named Nebuchadnezzar in a kingdom called Babylon to come in to conquer the nation of Israel, to loot and plunder all of their wealth, to take all of the sacred objects out of the temple that housed God's presence on the earth, and then to enslave the people and force them on a 700 mile walk, malnourished, beaten, used, abused, and and, and ultimately hated and haunted all the way back to Babylon, which if, just think of the last place you would wanna live. So maybe let's just do this. If you had to pick the last place you would wanna live, where would that be? Camden, New Jersey? Yeah, I don't even have to pray about that. That's a leading candidate. Where else would you not wanna live? What's that in Mexico? San Francisco. Well, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah I, think, I think you just won, right? You just won. And all the people podcasting from San Francisco come visit us in Arizona. Um, anywhere else you wouldn't wanna live? Flint, Michigan, New York. There are certain places just like, God, don't send me there. For God's people, Babylon, that was the worst. That was the worst possible place on earth. And they're going there and they're going there as slaves with no rights whatsoever. And Daniel at this time, he is taken as a slave in captivity and he is a teenage kid. So those of you guys that are young, you're you're not even 20 yet, Daniel's that age. I've got five kids, three boys, two girls. Uh, My sons are basically 14, 18, and 20. He's like the 14 to 16 year old. Think middle school or high school kid, that's where Daniel's at at the beginning of the story. That being said as well, 
behind Babylon is a powerful spirit at work. So Babylon is an ancient city. Today, it's the modern day city of Iraq. If you wonder why we have problems with Iraq, we've always had problems with Iraq. This is an old problem. Behind Babylon is the spirit of Babylon. It's a demonic power that creates a counterfeit kingdom that is in antithesis and opposition to God. What God creates a kingdom, Satan counterfeits, and that counterfeit kingdom is Babylon. And the counterfeit Jesus is Nebuchadnezzar who rules and reigns over the kingdom. That being said, the spirit of Babylon is mentioned as well in the last book of the Bible, Revelation. And the spirit of Babylon not only existed in that culture, it exists in all cultures and nations, according to Revelation, until Jesus comes back, sets up a kingdom and crushes the spirit of Babylon. So two things that Daniel is facing. Number one, he is a citizen of the kingdom of God, but he is a resident of the nation of Babylon. And he is pressed between those two because what happens in Babylon is absolutely opposed to what God decrees from heaven. And so he is forced to decide, am I going to live Babylon up or am I going to live kingdom down? The reason I picked the theme of kingdom down for Daniel is that's the choice you've always gotta make. Am I gonna live like every other guy or am I gonna live like Jesus Christ, that one guy? In addition, the spirit of Babylon around him is always lying to him and tempting him and causing him harm, but he has the spirit of God in him. Twice in chapter four, even the unbelievers who meet Daniel say the spirit of God, the spirit of Elohim in the original Hebrew text is in you. So Daniel has the spirit of Babylon around him and the culture that is tempting and compelling him, but he has the kingdom of God ruling over him and he has the spirit of God in him. That being said, uh, Daniel, is a man who in chapter one alone faces 10 tests that all real men face. And what I love about Daniel, he's a perfect case study for men's ministry. So I wanna share these with you. And these are 10 tests that every man faces and you have faced, are facing and will face. Uh, the first test that he has is the friend test. When he shows up in Babylon, there's a lot of pressure for him to grab guys who are Babylonian. They think Babylonian, their sexuality, their identity, their spirituality, uh, their loyalty is ultimately to the demonic spirit of Babylon. And there is a temptation for him to assimilate. They change his name. They wanna change his religion. They want him to pick new friends. They want him to take on a new identity. They want him to use the language of the New Testament to be worldly. So what he does early on, he picks a couple of guys who are his buddies, three guys. They're gonna be together throughout the course of the book. And as you read Daniel, you'll meet them. And if you have kids and you've ever watched the Veggie Tales, it's Rackshack and Benny, that's who it is. A little spoiler alert. So he picks Rackshack and Benny and these are his buddies. And the point is this, your friends determine your future. As a man, your friends determine your future. You show me who your friends are, I'll tell you what your future is. Okay, And this is where Proverbs says that he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. If your buddies are idiots, eventually it's gonna hurt you. That's what it means. Uh, Bible says in the New Testament that bad company corrupts good character. So even if you love the Lord, you start hanging out with the wrong guys, eventually you're saying you're a believer, but you're acting like a Babylonian. And what happens is you'll see this upcoming Sunday in chapter two, crisis hits, he pulls his buddies together and they're gonna pray and seek God's will. And okay, God, what do you want us to do? What oftentimes happens is that men neglect their relationships and then when crisis comes, they don't know who to turn to. 
Uh, this is sort of the prototypical Western male, independent, rugged spirit, John Wayne meets Rambo, independent, autonomous, and I sort of go it alone until crisis hits, and then I'm looking for help, but I don't have a support network of relationship. What Daniel does, he has the relationships before the crisis, so when the crisis hits, he knows what guys to call. My first question to you would be, do you know which guys to call? Do you have those guys in your life? Maybe it's your dad, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a brother, maybe it's a church member. They love God, you know them, they know you, and you're there for each other. If they need something, they call you. If crisis hits you, you call them. So it's the friend test. And if you're a dad, this is one of the most important tests that you can teach your kid, how to pick friends. How many of you got little kids, you know what this is like? We moved to Arizona, we didn't know anybody. Our kids were, uh, this was four years ago, middle school, high school, well, it was elementary school, middle school, high school, and college. So we move, we don't know anybody. My kids all got to pick new friends. For years, we had cultivated these relationships and the kids had built these friendships and we had these deep relationships with families and now we're uprooted, replanted, start over. Had to have that conversation with the kids, particularly my sons. Make sure you pick good friends because your friends determine your future. Your friends determine your future. That's the friend test. Number two, the gender test. This may shock you, but they castrated Daniel. Okay. This is the part they don't put on the flannel graph for a kid's Sunday school lesson. They, uh, the story of Daniel is that he was taken captive to Babylon. He was chosen because he has high IQ, high EQ. He's handsome, comes from a royal family. He gets nominated to go through three years of training at the University of Babylon so that he can then graduate and serve in the king's court. But here's the problem. How many gals does a king have, especially if he's a godless king? And he rules a city called Babylon. You know it's a bad city when the Rolling Stones name an album after it. The Rolling Stones have a, an album called Babylon. That, so Daniel rules, he is, uh, he is in Babylon, ruled by Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar is a king, he's worshiped as a god, and he's got something called a harem. A harem is a lot of women. Guys today try and assemble a digital version. I know not you guys, but some other guys I've heard about, so pray for them. Uh, and instead, what Nebuchadnezzar had was an actual harem. But if you have got a lot of women that are part of your household, and you bring in a bunch of young, high IQ, high EQ, good looking guys who go to the gym and have six packs and not coolers, you realize this could be a real problem. So what do you do? You castrate all the men. You castrate all the men. How do we know this? It says in chapter one of Daniel that he was put under the chief overseer of the eunuchs. Well, if you're under the overseer of the eunuch, what are you? Sad, that's what you are, you're very sad. So what they do, they ultimately castrate him. What they are doing is they are taking away his God-given gender and sexuality. The spirit of Babylon wants you to pick bad friends and the spirit of Babylon wants to, you to deny your God-given gender and identity the identity crisis, the identity spectrum, uh, the real opposition toward masculinity. Um, it is nothing new. It is the demonic spirit of Babylon at work. Daniel then had a decision because Babylon decided that they were going to emasculate him. He had to make a decision that he would live as a godly responsible man. This is sort of Paul's exhortation at the end of 1 Corinthians 16. He says, act like men. In our culture, we don't even believe there is such a thing as male and female but the Bible says we were made male and female. So part of it is the gender test. Am I going to be a man? 
Am I going to love like Jesus, but also lead my family? Will I take on myself masculine responsibilities and opportunities? And he in fact makes that decision for himself and lives as a man, even though the culture sought to emasculate him. And you need to know that the spirit of Babylon is always trying to emasculate the men of God. Number three, the sex test. So if he is um, a man who, ha- I got to, my words right, um, there's some funny things I could say and then we'd have to shut down the internet and fire myself. So let me just say this. Do you think, what do you think as a teenage boy growing up in Israel, devoted wholeheartedly to the Lord, do you think he had any vision for his sex life and his future, yes or no? Yes, yes. Every man who is young has a vision for his sex life as long as he's alive. Okay, there's only two kinds of guys, guys without vision and dead guys. There is no third category. Every guy who's alive has some vision where he's like, I hope I get married and I hope I can enjoy my wife and I hope that my future looks like this. He is a virgin by all accounts and indications. He is taken as a slave as a teenage kid. He has not consummated a marriage or conceived a child. They castrate him. Is this the sex life he wanted? No, no, very quick. You guys are quick on that. Even the guys who aren't theologians are like, nope, nope, for sure. That's not what he wanted. How frustrating would it be though? Because where does he work? The palace surrounded by the harem. I'm the castrated guy taking care of the harem. True or false, that has the potential of being frustrating. That has potential of being frustrating, okay? Daniel doesn't get the sex life that he wanted. Okay, now don't raise your hand, but how many of you guys can relate? You're like, you know, I thought it was gonna be like this and it's not been like that. Let me just say this, however bad you got it, Daniel had it worse. Daniel, just when you wake, every day you're like, this is not what I was expecting. Daniel's like, you got it really good. You got it really, really good. The next test is the education test. So what did they do with Daniel? They send him, I'll call it the University of Babylon. It's a pagan brainwashing system. You need to know that the spirit of Babylon wants you to have bad friends, wants you to deny your God-given gender, wants to confuse your sexuality and wants to brainwash you in something called a university. Everything I'm saying is controversial and true. Okay, which means you gotta kind of pick what team you're on and God's team shouldn't have a reversible jersey. Can't be like, I'm Babylonian today, I'm believer tomorrow. You're either on team Jesus or you're not. He has to pick his team real clear. And they send him off to Babylon and then they send him off to university to be brainwashed for three years. He has to learn the Chaldean language. He has to learn all of their literature, new culture, new God. He's given new religion. How does he do in his performance in school? Great, his grades are high, but he doesn't believe any of it. What this is, is you can learn something without believing it. Like I I understand socialism, I just don't believe in it, okay? I believe in private property ownership, and I don't believe that the government should take something that you've earned and give it to someone else, okay? I, I understand socialism, I just don't agree with it. There are a lot of things that you can understand but not agree with. Daniel understands Babylon, he just doesn't agree with it. And that is the education test. And what happens oftentimes for the young guys that are like Daniel's age, their teens leaning into their early 20s, they go to university, they get their head blown off, they get very confused, they deny their God, they reject the scriptures and they get very confused because they're deconverted from a believer and converted to a Babylonian. How many of you guys, college was hard. Maybe you lost your faith along the way in there or even it was in a high school or another educational system. 
But the hope, prayer, and goal is that you would be able to navigate through it, remain faithful to the God of the Word and the Word of God, and learn what those different disciplines would teach you, but not believe them or behave accordingly. Uh, this was my, um, my oldest daughter just graduated in uh, December, a couple weeks ago. She got her master's degree um, from ASU in the Barrett Honors College and did great in her grades and, and all of that. But she had to take every, every sort of class that opposed everything that we ever taught her as a believer in the word of God. And all it did, it just confirmed to my daughter that the word of God is true and that Babylon's way doesn't work. So you can go through some sort of training or information or curriculum, but if the spirit of God is in you and the word of God is before you, you can navigate through it without being converted by it. And this is a discipline to teach your kids. For those of you who are dads, grandpas, or you get the honor of being a dad or a grandpa, it is taking that which they are learning and then helping them to think biblically and to respond accordingly. One of the ways we did this really practically with the kids growing up at my house, we'd watch television shows or we'd watch movies. And usually there was something crazy or a bad commercial or the storyline of every kid's movie is, dad's an idiot, mom's busy at work, the pet will save the family. That's always the, the storyline. And the moral of the story is don't trust your dad. And so we would hit pause and have a conversation. What I wanted them to do is I wanted them to know what Babylon was saying, but I wanted to discuss it with them so they could think through it critically. This is where you don't raise your kids to be naive, but innocent. The difference between innocence and naivety, an innocent kid and a naive kid, they don't get in trouble until they're independent. And then the innocent kid versus the naive kid, the innocent kid stays innocent. The naive kid gets in a lot of trouble and doesn't even see it coming. If you overly shelter your kids, you are not preparing them to live in Babylon. However, Daniel's parents raised him. We know very little to nothing of his family. He though knew enough, even as a teenager, that when he was taken into a foreign nation of Babylon, he somehow navigated the educational system and remained committed to the God of the Bible. His parents or someone had to do some teaching and training because he is not naive. He understands Babylon, but he's innocent. He doesn't participate. That's the educational test. And then the work test, all right. So let me, let me just ask this, who here has the worst job? Okay, we don't have a prize for you. Um, we'll pray for you. Who's got the worst job here? Like the job that nobody else wants. Yeah, what do you got? You're a college professor who loves Jesus. Yeah, slash crass chest dummy. That's who you are. I mean, so, so your job is to teach at a university as a Christian who believes the Bible. That's probably real fun for you. I mean, it's one thing to take the classes at the University of Babylon. It's another thing to be the professor as a believer. That's a fun thing. Anybody do better than that? Anybody got a job? You're like, yeah, nobody wants my job. My job's terrible. Let's just be honest. We're all here. Any other guy got a bad job? What's the worst job you've ever had? Worst job you've ever had? What did you have? You, you did what? Bagging skin at a Genio turkey plant. So they would skin the turkeys and you would bag the turkey skin. Yeah, that's a leading candidate for a terrible job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And on behalf of all turkeys, why would you do that? You know, like, uh, anybody else got, had a bad job, real bad job? You clean what toilets? Pit toilets? What is a pit toilet? Oh, an outhouse, a honey bucket. Okay, yeah, okay. You cleaned them? How would you do that? 
with a scrub brush. Oh, how many of you germaphobes right now, you're grabbing your hand sanitizer just hearing about that, right? <laughs> Anybody beat that? Okay, well, you seem to have, okay. You take the blood out of the eggs? Thank you for doing that so we don't all throw up at Denny's. What was your job? Sales. Sales, there you go. <laughs> Game, set, match, brother, sales, yeah. <laughs> we have a winner, gentlemen. We have a man who moved dead bodies from the hospice. To the morgue? In what, what did you drive? Like a flatbed truck or what? You'd wrap them in plastic, put them in what vehicle? Just a gurney? Oh, the morgue was in the basement. What kind of haunted house did you work at, brother? That's just terrible. All right, here's my point, right? At some point as a man, you're gonna get a job you don't like, right? And the hard part of the job is, the Bible says, whatever you do, do it wholeheartedly unto the Lord, because over your boss is Jesus, who's your boss's boss. And his work test was, do you think Daniel liked his job? First of all, if in the orientation they castrate you, that's not a job you're really excited about, right? He, he is given a job that he hates. He's in Babylon, he doesn't wanna be in Babylon. He's working for Nebuchadnezzar, he doesn't wanna work for Nebuchadnezzar. He's working in the harem, he doesn't wanna be working in the harem. This is the nightmare job, not the dream job, but here's what Daniel does. He does the best job he possibly can while remaining loyal to the Lord. And eventually God promotes him. The moral of the story is, you know, if you, as Proverbs says, if you do a good job, eventually you'll not serve before obscure, but instead you'll serve before those who are kings and rulers and leaders. And so the, the point is you may not have the job you want, but it may be the job that God has given you. So you do the best job you can with it. This is the man's work test. Uh, the worship test, he is constantly tempted. Early on in chapter one, the king says, eat my food, drink my wine. It's counterfeit demonic communion. He's supposed to eat and drink with the Lord. And Nebuchadnezzar saying, why don't you eat and drink with me and my demon gods? And so he's, he's having to choose between, do I, do I worship God and suffer or do I not worship God and have a lot of pleasure? So am I choosing pleasure or suffering? If I choose pleasure, then I'm not gonna worship God. If I choose worship of God, then I'm choosing suffering. It's the worship test. A lot of the tests that men have, it's around food, it's around alcohol, um, it's around pleasure and, and bodily enjoyment, okay? So for a lot of men, it's sex and it's food and it's drink that are part of our test. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. In addition, there was the marriage test. In his upbringing, there would have been a great longing. If you read the Bible, marriage is great. It's a gift from the Lord. He who finds a wife finds what is good. Um, ultimately, like young men do, he would have been looking forward to meeting his girl and getting married and consummating their relationship and living happily ever after. He never got that. He didn't get the marriage of his heart's desire. Some of you can relate to that. Some of you, you didn't marry. Some of you, you did marry and then you got divorced. Some of you, you did get married, but it's not happily ever after. It's, it's complicated or painful. Whatever the case, he had a desire and it was a longing that was continually unmet. 
And so that was the marriage test for him. Was he gonna get bitter against God? Was he gonna rebel against God? You know, what was he going to do? He was going to trust God, even though this was not what he ultimately had aspired to. The parenting test as well, um, he likely longed to be a dad. In the Old Testament, the genealogies are this guy had these kids and this guy had these kids, and it's a big deal to have your family, so it's part of your legacy and lineage. He didn't get that. And I've got five kids I love with all my heart. I couldn't imagine if I didn't get to be a dad. I just, I, that just to me, I mean, that would just be a, a constant source of grief in my soul if I didn't get to watch my three sons and my two daughters grow up. He never got that. He never got to consummate a marriage. He never got to conceive a child. He never got to be a husband. He never got to be a father. He never got to work the job that he liked. He never got to live in the nation he liked. He, he had a lot to be grieved by and disappointed for. Uh, some of you guys, your political, your uh, parenting test rather will be, you're struggling with infertility and can't have kids. Some of you, um, you have miscarriages and it's a struggle. Some of you, you have kids, but the kids aren't walking with God or relationally connected and they're a bit of a, a sadness in your heart. These are parenting tests for the soul of a man. The political tests. Let me just ask this since we're in an election cycle. Um, did Daniel get the candidate that he would have voted for? <clears throat> no. <laughs> he doesn't get the governmental structure. He doesn't get the political system. He doesn't get the taxation system. He doesn't get the guy seated on the throne that he wanted. Okay? Now what Daniel could have done, this will be a little, you know, a little offensive, but we're in Scottsdale, so it's okay. Have you heard any grumpy older men complaining about politics in or around Scottsdale, Arizona? Answer? Oh yes, that, since they're retired, that is their new full-time job, is talking about politics and how frustrating it is and how the government is corrupt and they're trying to take our money. I'm just telling you this, being a slave in Babylon is worst case scenario politically. It's not like we'll vote in a new guy because the, the guy is what? He's a king who rules as a God until he's dead and then he hands it to his kid. So you never get to vote. You never get to vote, it's a political dynasty. This is where as a man gets older, you can feel like the government is fighting against you. I don't have opportunity. They're choking out my business. They're taking my income stream. They're overly taxing me. They're funding things I don't like. They're taking my money to fund things that I actually oppose. All of that is the political test. And Daniel seeks to be a faithful citizen all the way up until the point that it would cause him to be a bad believer. And then number 10, the life stage test. And as I told you, and here's one of the secrets to understanding the life of Daniel. Uh, it opens up, he's a teenager. By the end of the book, chapter 12, he's in his mid eighties. 69 years of his life are recorded in the 12 chapters of Daniel. So, you know, lion's den, fiery furnace. You know, sometimes if you grew up in church or watched the kids' Bible stories, or you had a kid's, you know, Bible, to read to your kids. When Daniel is going to the lion's den, how old does he look? He looks like a young kid. The truth is he's in his eighties. So Daniel's in a walker. <laughs> like, oh, okay, I'll die in a minute. But you know, if I don't die getting there, I mean, he's, he, he's making the journey. He's not a young man. And this is the life stage test. He was faithful to God in his teens. He was faithful to God in his 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. He never gets to go back to his homeland. Today, he's buried somewhere between modern day Iraq and Iran. 
He never got to go back to his homeland. He never got the nation that he hoped for. He never got the life that he hoped for. He never got the marriage that he hoped for. And let me tell you this, most guys who go through what Daniel went through, they have something that we call a midlife crisis. And it is, you know what, man, my friends have failed me. Culture's against me. My sex life is disappointing. You know, I paid a lot for an education, but it didn't really give me the career that I needed. My job stinks. Um, you know, some things feel good, so I just try and self-soothe with sex, drugs, alcohol, gambling, food. My wife is a real disappointment. My kids are a mess. I hate the government. Thank you, Jesus. Right? A lot of guys would end up, how many of you, one of those things would be a real struggle for you and trip you up? The only, so let me ask you this, of everything on that list, what good thing did Daniel have? His friends. That's it. He had God and a couple of buddies. Let me just tell you, man, that's why we're here. You need God and a couple of buddies. And the big myth that most men chase is, you know what, man, if I could just have good sex, get a good education, get a good job, you know, have some extra margin to have fun, you know, a great wife, obedient kids, my candidate wins, then I'll be happy. And all that is, is trying to create your own Babylon. That's trying to create your own heaven on earth apart from the kingdom of God. And every man needs to read the storyline of Daniel and realize it's not just Nebuchadnezzar who's trying to build heaven on earth. That is the heart of every man who doesn't understand the kingdom of God. We're always trying to set up our own kingdom so we can be our own Nebuchadnezzar. I wanna be in charge. I wanna have money. I wanna have sex. I wanna have pleasure. I wanna have servants. I wanna have comfort. I wanna have my way. You just need to know that as we look at Nebuchadnezzar, every single one of us, apart from the spirit of God, is seeking to be a Nebuchadnezzar and to set up our own kingdom of Babylon to give us what we want, amen? And what Daniel shows us, he's the only happy, joyful, cheerful, hopeful guy in the book. And he doesn't get anything except for a few good buddies who walk through it with him. And Nebuchadnezzar, as you read the storyline, he becomes the one with a need. And Daniel is the one who meets that need because only God can meet the true needs of any man. So that's why we're here. So you can learn about the Lord Jesus, who's the greater Daniel, came down not just from Israel to Babylon, but heaven to earth. Uh, he never married, he never fathered children. Nothing bad about him is ever spoken of in the Bible. He was mistreated, wrongly arrested, arrested, falsely tried, and uh, ultimately was put to death like Daniel. The difference is Jesus rose from death, conquered, conquered sin and death, and he now has an invisible kingdom in the unseen realm that will become visible at his second coming. All the kingdoms, all the nations, all the politics, all the nonsense is coming to an end, and King Jesus is coming back to crush all of our little Babylons and to invite us into his great, glorious, grand, eternal kingdom. That's the whole mega storyline of Daniel. Okay? So that being said, right now, here's what's going on in your life. Uh, what's going on in your life is that you are facing the same tests that, that Daniel did. And these are the tests that every man faces as we're living in whatever our form of Babylon opposed kingdom culture to God is. Every one of you men is facing these tests. You face them in the past, you're facing them in the present, you will face them in the future. Some of you men have taken the, or let's just say all of us as men have failed some of these tests, at least some of these tests. Can we agree on that? 
Nobody goes through, no man goes through life and says, I get straight A's. I'm masculine, my sex life is healthy, my wife sometimes calls me Jesus because we're so much alike she gets confused. You know, I, I mean, right? <laughs> right? Right? My kids, they sing songs about me and it's just kind of embarrassing, but you know, if they want to celebrate me, I mean, who am I to take their joy, you know? And I mean, none of us, you know, and at work, it's not like, I love my job, my boss loves me and I do it for free. None of us would say that, right? That ultimately, every man who goes through life, we take these tests. Daniel took these tests and these tests were through the totality of his whole life. The good news is, is even when we fail these tests, our God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the greater Daniel, he forgives sin, he helps men, and he lets us retake the test. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. Even the tests that we are given and fail, Jesus took and passed, and then he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit to retake and pass the test by his power. This is what you'll see in Daniel 4. Daniel's not just a guy of self-will, but of God's empowerment. Twice in chapter four, the unbelievers say he has the spirit of God. How does Daniel make it? How does he pass his test? By the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how Jesus passed all of his tests as the greater Daniel. And he ultimately sends the Holy Spirit to help us pass our test. So you, you may need to know this. More than anything, more than anything, more than sex, a good degree, a great job, an amazing wife, fantastic kids, and your political party winning and reducing your tax burden. Ultimately, the two things that every man needs the most is a relationship with God and a couple of buddies for the journey through Babylon. That's the story of Daniel. That's why we're here. We want you guys to find relationships, to connect with other guys, to figure out who your friends and helpers are. And so what I'm gonna do in a moment, I'm gonna commission you into discussion time. We're gonna do something really unusual for men, talk, okay? The women are in the back. I, I can assure you this, it's a little more natural probably in the back than it is here. But if we can get you to talk, and if we can get you to listen, and if we can get you to pray, guess what you're gonna do at work? You're gonna talk, listen, and pray. Guess what you're gonna do at home with your family? You're gonna talk, listen, and pray. What are you gonna do in your community? You're gonna talk, listen, and pray and take Daniel's example into our Babylon. Okay, so discussion and prayer time. So here's where we're gonna get started. Um, and, and let me just say this to you. I'll just summarize it this way. Daniel had a vision for his life. Is it okay for a man to have a vision for his life? He should, he has to. I mean, if you're a man, you gotta have some vision for your life that you're architecting toward. Did Daniel get the vision that he wanted for his life? No, because his vision of God was bigger than his vision for his life. So his vision of God was very big and then his vision for his life was small when his vision for his life did not go according to plan, okay? And you, you younger guys, you still think it's gonna go according to plan. You're like, oh, I know. My wife's gonna be amazing. My kids will be filled with the spirit. I'm gonna retire at 27. Okay, just keep telling yourself that. Uh, denial is not a fruit of the spirit, but we'll just let you have that. Just enjoy that. The older guys will tell you, you can have a vision for your life, family, work, country, and it doesn't happen. This is where in a man's soul, he's gotta have a vision of God that is bigger than the vision for his life. He's gotta have a vision for eternity that is bigger than his decades on planet earth. And he's gotta have a vision for the kingdom of God that is bigger than the little kingdom he's trying to set up on earth. 
So we want your vision view of God to increase as you read Daniel. And so discussion and prayer, number one, just introduce yourself, where you live in the valley. If you go to school, where you're a student, if you work, where you work, anything else that you would like the guys to know so that they could get to know you better. And maybe just add in one thing you're grateful for right now. We've all got things we're dealing with, but let's just start with something you're grateful for. Something. For me, I'll just give you mine. Like my daughter got married on January 3rd. I stood here and officiated the wedding. I didn't have a complete nuclear meltdown. So I felt pretty happy about that. She married a godly guy who loves Jesus. So my oldest daughter, you know, she loves Jesus. She married a guy who loved Jesus and they're on their honeymoon right now. And some of you have asked, how are they doing? Well, they sent me one photo smiling saying, doing great. So apparently they're doing fine. Uh, so I'm, I'm grateful for that. That's a good grateful thing for me. Which tests have you passed and might be able to help another man pass? Some of you are like, you know, I actually figured out business or my wife and I are doing pretty good or my kids say I'm a good dad. This is not boasting, it's boasting in the Lord. You know, God has helped me to kind of learn a few things here. We wanna know those things so that we can coach each other up and help each other. So if it's like, I'm really good at real estate, my business is killing it. Another guy's like, my real estate business is tanking. Okay, can we coach that guy up? Can we help each other as God's men? Number three, which tests have you failed? retaken and then passed. I know there's guys in the room. Their first marriage did not go well. Their second marriage is going well. They're retaking their test, okay? And in this, you use what you learn to share with other men. And you're like, well, I did this, it didn't work. Now I'm doing this, it does work. Take it from me. Here's some wisdom to help you along the journey. Number four, which tests are you currently taking? Where's the pressure? Right? Is it with friends, gender, sex, education, work, worship, marriage, parenting, politics, life stage? What's the test you're in right, right now in this season? And then lastly, how can we pray for you today and during the upcoming week? And so I'll close with this. We don't make men pray, but we, we welcome prayer. If you are willing to give a prayer request, what we'll do around your table, we huddle up like a football team and we lay hands and pray over each other. That's what we like to do. Um, a couple months ago, a guy showed up. He wasn't a Christian. He's like, oh, I'm not sure I need to be prayed for. The guys laid hand and prayed over him. The Holy Spirit changed this guy's life that week and saved him. And he's a Christian and probably in the room tonight. And so we just believe if we lay hands and pray over guys, sometimes God shows up in power. And I'll tell you what, the, the only thing stronger than a man is the Holy Spirit. And so whatever a man is or does, once the Holy Spirit comes upon him and works in him, that guy just starts to change. And we believe that sometimes through the laying on of hands and praying, that we're agreeing with God, we're aligning ourselves together, and we're also imparting the Holy Spirit into one another so we can live spirit-filled lives like Daniel and Jesus. And, uh, and you don't have to pray. If you're a guy who doesn't feel comfortable praying aloud yet, that's totally fine. Uh, but the other guys would be happy to pray for you if you're willing to give a prayer request. I love you. It's an honor to have you. We're just getting started. Uh, to me, this is tremendously encouraging to have just a three-year-old baby church plant that is making this kind of very successful progress in seeing people meet Jesus and grow in their relationship. And I think that if you get the men, you win the war. And I think if you lose the men, you lose the war. And I believe our war is not just against flesh and blood, but powers, principalities, and spirits. So I wanna honor you as men. I wanna thank you for being here. I'm sure there were a lot of demonic oppositions to you being here and you've got some buddies who didn't make it and we'll see them next week. I'll pray for you and commission you into groups. Father God, it's an honor to teach and it's a great honor, uh, Lord God, to have these men.
Uh, Lord God, I thank you for our leaders and our table leads. God, there are some extraordinarily wonderful men. Some of them were saved early and have a life story like Daniel where they've been faithful for decades. Other guys got saved later in life and, and they went from Nebuchadnezzar to Daniel in their 30s, 40s, or 50s. And so they're, they're trying to undo some mistakes from the past and to set some new patterns for the future. God, I pray for the young men that they would learn from the example of Daniel, that they could walk with holiness and integrity through their teens and 20s into their future. For the guys, God, that are in their 30s and 40s and they're, they're working hard at their family and or their career, I pray, God, for the power of the Holy Spirit to sustain their faithfulness and good brothers around them to encourage them in that which is right. For the older guys, Lord, I pray that they would have a father's heart for the younger guys, that if they see a young guy, they'd put an arm around him, they'd introduce themselves. A lot of these guys don't have dads. A lot of these guys do have father wounds. And God, we want the older men to love the younger men, to encourage the younger men. And God, we want this to be a place where men are beat up. They are not built, they are rather built up and not beat up. And God, we just confess that we live in a world that beats men up. We wanna be a place that builds men up. So I pray for the men right now and the presence of the Holy Spirit in their midst in conversation and prayer to put some courage into these men, to put some encouragement on these men and to start to develop some friendships like Daniel had so that these guys wouldn't be alone for the journey, but they'd have brothers for the walk. And Lord Jesus, just thanks. We don't have words big enough, but we'll just use what we got. Thanks. Thanks for coming into this world. Thanks for enduring everything that every guy endures. Thank you for being resolute, faithful, and holy. Thank you for dying in our place to pay our penalty. Thank you for rising to restore our relationship and guarantee our eternity. And thank you for sending the Holy Spirit so that we can follow in your example as Daniel did. And we ask for this grace in Jesus' good name. Love you guys. Have a good talk.